0: Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. And we are back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy where we have a casual and informal conversation about Star Trek and today oh look at this oh. we have a special guest hello arthur he's uh this is my hello, cat arthur. arthur he's sitting Hi. in the window i think he he wanted to be a part of uh, of That's the good. episode so yeah he's we're watching having a over ca- us <laughs> casual and informal conversation about Star Trek focused on the next generation, and we've made it to Disaster. Disaster! <laughs> <laughs> um, let me get my notes here. But I think uh, pretty much I just kind of saw this episode... Uh, a while ago, uh, I like to be. A, you, by the way, we're getting really close to uh, unification, part one and two. Oh my god, it's coming! It's uh, coming! Cool. It's That's a coming. gonna
1: be. Uh, that's gonna be a long one.
0: <laughs> I Ugh. think so. That does. That deserves a special. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's a routine day on the Enterprise D. Uh, we start off uh, in 10 forward with a little exchange uh, between uh, <laughs> O'Brien and Keiko and uh, and Riker. I, was Riker there? Riker and Worf, I think. And... Um, uh, you know, they their debate. They don't know what the baby's sex is. I guess they chose not to find out, um, which a lot of uh, expecting parents opt to do because, um, I guess, just because. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, some people like surprises. You know, some people do. Some people do. So, anyways, they 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 think if it's a boy that it, he should be named. I forget what it was. Or hero, I think. I remember Keiko. Uh, Yeah, Michael, I think. Michael or hero? That's right. I don't know. And we don't get to, I think, discuss what the name of the baby is going to be if it's a girl at that point. Um, And then uh, we go to uh, the bridge. Oh, we cut to a scene in what? Oh, in. in one of the cargo bays, and uh, Dr. Crusher is trying to convince Geordi to be in, I guess, a performance of the Pirates of Penzance, uh, and he's going to play the Major General. I am the very model of a modern Major General of information animal and vegetable and mineral. Not the first time we get Gilbert and Sul- Sullivan in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, in Star Trek Insurrection, or as you like to refer to it as Star Trek Erection, mm-hmm. uh, we get um I think also from the Pirates of Penzance, if I'm not mistaken, we get the song a British Tar. Um, but anyways, uh, so anyways, that's going on in Cargo Bay. And then on the bridge, Captain Picard is... Uh, uh, has accepted the uh, the honor of giving a tour of the Enterprise to the uh, recipients of the science fair, the winners of the science fair. Uh, it's these three little kids that remind me so much of, this is super personal and no one's going to understand, but remind me of the Andrews children, who I uh, used to uh, be their, their sort of like nanny, if you will. <laughs> or manny, I guess, would be more appropriate. But... um. Um, anyways, uh, so he's he's gets in the turboshaft to give them the tour and then all of a sudden the enterprise is uh, is rocked and rolled uh, and, and and shaken by a quantum filament, is it right? I think uh, yes, a quantum filament and uh, everything goes to hell in a handbasket and there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of this. <laughs> nice, you're doing like. Are you shaking your monitor? It's like. <laughs> Doctor, say something and do that again because it was really good. All right, so ready? Three, oh, two, one. yes, sure. We're, oh, we're, we're,
1: we're running into a
0: cosmic string. Oh, no. no quantum filament. Quantum oh, filament. Oh, whatever. Troy actually says cosmic string later. Yes, I And then I know. And, and he corrects it. I know like, no. Uh, no, it's not the same thing. It's not the same. Um, so anyways, uh they get hit by two actually and the commanding officer on the bridge dies as a result of the second one. I I have to say, I have to pause the summary for a moment and say that lots of people die sitting at the ops where you know like an explosion happens and then you just die from it. And it, and like I've always been like <laughs> like like can't well, they do Star Trek too? Like,
1: did set that like, precedent, sir.
0: Like we have we have shatter resistant glass because of this in our in our cars. You know, like windshields don't shatter in anymore; they just kind of like crumple or whatever. And well, like so I can't imagine that by TNG, uh, we don't have like some kind of uh, solution about the uh, the ops uh, the operations. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a dangerous
1: job. What can I tell you? It, Star it's Trek true. Two does establish that it is very easy to die at Ops. All right, back to I the mean, summary. You get so, an explosion underneath your chair, and and, and they can kill a Vulcan. <laughs> yeah,
0: just knock him right it's off true. the chair. I guess you could be electrocuted or something. But anyway, that's that was uh, all,
1: Seriously, that was always my impression. That it was some sort of electric right? yeah, yeah,
0: that's correct. Um, so, anyways, uh, then, uh, so then after the credits, which by the way we have yet to mention, we have failed to mention, and we're like a few episodes in. Now, oh, you talking about the little, the new opening credits? There, there's a the new little opening, sh- yeah, yeah, there's. Well, and then Saturn, it looks like it's on fire. Like it's a little different. You know, like it's it's more yeah. of a futuristic look uh-huh. at. Um, at space so anyways so we get that and uh the opening credits and after the break we uh see the aftermath and uh pretty much uh everything's in disarray um on the bridge uh they have limited sensors they can't tell if people are alive or dead counselor troy can sense that there's a lot of people alive but she can't really sense specifically where they are and uh in the midst of the kind of Procedure of trying to figure things out, uh, they realize that Counselor Troy is the highest ranking officer on duty and uh, she holds the rank of lieutenant commander, same as Data. And so she is in command and uh, she looks kind of like startled and, and overwhelmed but accepts the duty and then immediately asks for suggestions. And I think she plays it really well, actually, overall, um, <clears throat> uh, considering that she never expected to do it. But then on in 10 forward, Riker, uh, uh, Data, and Worf have a little discussion, and Riker uh, says that we should probably assume that the worst-case scenario has occurred and, uh, and go... Oh, ooh, look at this little keek. Hi, Keek. <laughs> I think he wants to get down. He'll get down. Anyways, um, Riker uh, says we should assume the worst, that there's no one left in command of the ship, and so we have to try to get control... Uh, the ship, so he recruits data and then tells Worf to stay in 10 forward because uh, access to medical is blocked. So uh, he appoints him to be nurse Worf. Um, <clears throat> And take care of any of the of the uh, of the injured that are coming in. They're that they're bringing into Ford. By the way, we see Guinan, Guinan must be off duty, or she was at a different part of the ship because we 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 don't get Guinan in this episode at all. And I I was a little bit. I did take note of that. Um, Good. <laughs> and then in Cargo Bay, they can't actually get out. There's something wrong with the controls. And uh, then uh, Jordy and, and Dr. Crusher actually encounter a plasma fire. And it's uh, it's dangerously close to some carotid that, uh, that uh, could explode. So they're um, racing with time in... in in that situation um and apparently there was no peter preston aboard the enterprise d because everyone evacuated from engineering and left it abandoned (laughs) and uh, (laughs) 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 when the trainees ran he stayed at his at his post yeah. Apparently, no one in the Enterprise wow, uh, on the, the Enterprise D Peter stayed. Wow, the great Peter Preston, <laughs> uh, Scotty's no one, nephew. Scotty's nephew, and so no one on the Enterprise D stayed at their post in uh, engineering. Uh, <laughs> so there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, there's a problem on, in engineering where Ensign row discovers that the containment field is collapsing, and that the um, one of the conduits is uh, jeopardized by this uh, power conduits, and so the Enterprise could explode at any minute. So. Uh, there's your dilemma uh, the crew gallantly do various things including uh, Captain Picard singing Frere Jaka to keep the kids calm um, <laughs> and uh, it ends with uh, Counselor Choice kind of making the more human decision uh, whereas Ro is trying to convince her to separate the saucer section to save whatever crew they know are alive uh, versus the ones that they don't. No one's right in this situation it's just a matter of what you know what can you do. And so at the end fortunately uh, after oh I failed to mention the data uh, uses his body to stop an electrical arc and then Riker takes his head and connects it to the Enterprise which I wish ha- had the show been one of these shows where the storyline continues, I wish the next four episodes was Data's head just connected to engineering. It that would have been really, fabulous. It would have been really fabulous just to have him you know, chilling at different op stations or, or control yeah. stations with his head just connected to the starship. Or maybe his body was irreparable and the whole rest of the show could have been Data's head uh, connected to, to the ship. Sort of like uh, the 11th Doctor's uh, Cyberman companion uh, in, in his final episodes uh, that's connected to the TARDIS. <laughs> what was his name? I don't remember the name but he had a funny name. Anyways, uh, they do manage to come up with a plan. If anyone's left alive in engineering, uh, if they could put power to the uh, stations, the um, you know computer stations, terminals in engineering, maybe someone will see that the containment field is uh, dropping. And so Riker and Data actually do see that, um, and it leads to them uh, stabilizing the containment field, and everything's all right. And uh, they make it to uh, Starbase for repairs, and. Then and at the end there's a touching moment with uh, the children that Picard um, was uh, caring for come back and present him with a plaque uh, and and expressing their gratitude for his uh, his keeping them calm under a very scary situation for children. Oh, and Counselor Troy makes a great joke. Uh, when when Riker kind of uh, goads her about uh, maybe uh, being captain one day, she says, I don't know if I'm cut out to be a captain, but I hear that there aren't many qualifications for first officer. So that was a, a little humor there. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Did I get everything, Doctor? <laughs> oh, I, I think I, I, forgot I, f- to say, I forgot to say how Geordi and Dr. Crusher... Avert the fire They, they open the uh, cargo bay door and, and it's a really good move Actually and they extinguish the fire By uh, sucking all the air out of cargo bay Did,
1: did you mention
0: that, that Keiko had a baby? Oh shit <laughs> I totally forgot And Keiko has a baby And Nurse Wharf delivers it And that's also pretty, uh, pretty funny uh, And so Molly is born And now we welcome Molly to the show
1: all right, I, I can already predict by the fact that you did not offer me the chance to do the summary that you, this is going to be a very sentimentally rated episode. I already know.
0: You might be surprised, Doctor. You might be surprised. I already know.
1: Um, I, there's a, Early in the episode, there's a part where um, I, be, uh, I believe O'Brien goes to Troy... I don't know who to feel sorry for more the kids or the captain as they <laughs> go into the turbulence. and uh, clearly the answer is the audience um, oh, wow.
0: not a complete oh, disaster
1: as, as the title as the title is called but uh, as it's titled but yeah there's 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 um, I was disappointed in many aspects of the show of the episode um, I like the premise I really like the premise. I grew up with those '70s disaster movies, movies like The Towering Inferno, and The Poseidon Adventure, and um... Uh, what's the one
0: with uh, Richard Harris, Juggernaut? Um, they're trying to get a Oh, bo- I haven't remember seen that Juggernaut. One. Yes, but I don't know. I have not seen that one. Um, but. Uh,
1: yeah, the 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 love. I a lot of things. I think the show tried to go for a lighter tone, which is in keeping with the cheesier qualities of those disaster movies. However, I think the you have to balance that with a real sense of tension and danger, and uh, I don't think the episode holds that part up very well. I think uh, the only scenario that was at all exciting was Riker and Data. I that think was a cool um, scenario. You know, when Data... I mean, I think that was just a perfect mix, where Data's like, why don't I just throw myself in there? And, and then Riker's like, what? No. And Data's like, look, it's the only thing we can do. And then Data's like, you can take my you know, just remove my head. And Riker's like, you want me to take your head off? <laughs> in that very, you know, just blunt, yeah. straightforward Riker... Fashion of delivering lines uh, that Jonathan Frakes has. Uh, um, I mean, it's goofy, but it works. Right. And you do get a real sense of, you know, well, we're up against a wall. We're going to have to throw Data in there and take his head off. <laughs> um, and then I, I did like the tensions between O'Brien and Roe, which... Uh, of course, would have perhaps carried over into DS Nine if if Michelle Forbes had accepted uh, the role as would have accepted continuing that character into that show, which uh, it was the reason why they paired those two characters off in the episode is they wanted to test the chemistry because they already knew apparently at this point that uh, that that. Um, the O'Brien character was going to transfer over to the DS9. DS9, interesting. Yeah, and then, of course, Roe was supposed to be, you know, another character to go over. So this was kind of, you know, the producers trying to test out chemistries and stuff, uh, which I think worked very well. I mean, I think there was, you know, uh, a good sense of of tension between, you know, O'Brien perhaps being, O'Brien perhaps having been, a, more like Roe when he was younger but is somewhat tempered now and can take the op and can take the the opposing side and say well you know maybe we don't have to assume everybody's dead um, but going to that point I have to admit I I did find the level of destruction aboard the enterprise a little alarming I mean they've certainly encountered other I mean it just seems like, They've been
0: well. The shields weren't up. I mean, like it is kind of like an. It's like I, I, uh, I. I like assume the too, shields are always nominally up. I mean, there's always some to some screens, degree. There's some kind of screens or something, but this is a cosmic filament. I mean, like who knows? <laughs> who knows? Like you know, but I do find it. I do find it funny that. Uh, well, I do find it interesting that on the one hand, that there aren't more situations like this in space, like especially Mm -hmm. like, so yeah I agree with you that there's not like but you know, I think of it the same as like a ship kind of like uh, in, in in if you liken it back to the older days of exploration it's like ships encountering reefs that they didn't mm-hmm. know about uncharted reefs you know and it can run a ship aground for a while you know it's not like a it's not like a disaster but like if your keel is destroyed for example on a, on a ship um, that's like quite a major repair. you're basically like stuck you know what I mean and that's kind of like the impression that I got uh, in this episode that they were able to, they were able to, you know, get the ship back up and running and get it um, okay enough to to get it to the nearest starbase. But it was still, it w- for a while, it was a hairy situation. Um, but the whole engineering being empty thing is like kind of where I focus my attention on, uh, as I mentioned in the uh, in the uh, the, summary. the summary. I just can't be- like the engineering is usually so well staffed that there was no containment breach. Um, that I could see. You know, usually there's like the smoke coming out or like, you know, <laughs> like a fire or whatever like that. Right. Like engineering looked looked all right like when, when Riker and um, and and Data are there. So I can't also the other thing is is that like okay, fine, there was no one in engineering And it took them, like, quite a while to get to engineering from 10 forward, which is understandable. But no one's in the drive section that could have gotten to it first. No one thought, like, oh, we should probably, like, get to engineering. You know, there could have been personnel, like, right next to engineering. Like, it's very feasible that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it's not like engineering is isolated beyond, you know accessibility I mean like right. I don't know just that to me that was a little as we say in uh, in certain parts of Miami that resemble Cuba un paquete uh, t- right. <laughs> which translates to a packet but it just means unfeasible like it just seems a little bit it's, of a it's a bit much it's a it's bit, a much, bit much yeah. Um, Um, Before we continue with this discussion I did want to point out real quick that we got some Interesting preview images For Star Trek Discovery Season 2 Where they show us um, The first look At kind of the interiors Of the Enterprise Speaking of disaster Uh, Oh boy And then a uh, crewman Who's a Sarian uh, That's on, on Named Linus So uh, let me... uh, Does he have a... I think that's the Does he have a blanket? (laughs) I know, right? All right, so I'm going to show you... uh, This is from trekmovie.com, but this actually broke on Entertainment Weekly is the one that broke this. It's like a, I guess, a Comic-Con related thing. Um, So here is Michael Burnham uh, on the Enterprise, like, just... I guess, coming onto the bridge here. And what's interesting to me is that here in the background, those are either studio lights or it's a droid or something like that that's floating. I can't tell, so it'll be interesting to see what that thing is um, when we get to the episode. Um, So here's a look at Burnham walking onto what appears to be the Enterprise Bridge. And I do like that the view screen is small. Or at least it appears to be small. Um, so maybe in the updated discovery aesthetic, they will try to stick to uh, and an, you know, and you can see the 1701 right over here, doctor. And there are colors, red. There's red uh, trimming um, in the background. So you know, again, it is the discovery aesthetic, uh, the updated discovery aesthetic. But it does look like they're trying to. Uh, to uh, quote the original series in some way. And then here's our Sarian, uh, our Sarian um, crewmen uh, that they're going to introduce, I guess, next season. And uh, just so you know, there's a little behind the scenes. Um, I want that hat. Um, and then <laughs> here's the uh, motion picture version of a Sarian. Any thoughts on that, real quick, before we get back to the disaster discussion? No. Okay, moving right along. Uh, <laughs> um, I um, I was surprised uh, by this episode because I don't think I've seen it since in a long time. I I, I remember uh, vaguely remember watching it back in you know, it's first airing. Um, cause I remembered like the, I definitely remembered the, I think like what stuck in my mind was the, um, fire in the cargo bay. For some reason that like, I was like, Oh, it's that episode. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, but, uh, watching it again, what I was particularly delighted about was that, uh, Marina Sirtis did a great job. I think, um, playing troy in this episode having to deal with a situation where she's kind of thrust into command and i kind of like that i think that like i don't know how you feel but i do feel like counselor troy is uh a lot more she fits in a lot better now than she did in previous seasons if you will and i know you've had a lot of complaints about her character but you've been sympathetic to her character as well um uh, as we've had these discussions. So that kind of stood out to me. Um, I really like Ensign Roe, but I've always liked her, and I think that she's a great character. And, again, this episode just kind of, like, presents her. her... She's kind of like the no-bullshit type character, but, you know, as we see here, her decision, you know, wasn't exactly the most human, <laughs> but she's not a human. <laughs> so I think it's important to, you know, it's important to remember that. Um <clears throat> but yeah, overall I think it was just a good episode but I would definitely call it a filler. I think, you know, it's it's an episode that if we didn't get, we probably wouldn't even wonder, "Oh, wouldn't it've been great to have a uh, a disaster episode <laughs> of Star Trek the Next Generation?" Um um and then again, the only thing that really kind of I agree with you that I favored or that stood out for me was the Riker Data adventure, but but that being said, as, as fun as it was to see all that and, and go through it, again, it just was a little baffling or unbelievable to me that engineering would be uh, abandoned like that. It's such a critical mm-hmm. part of the ship. Yeah. Um, um, so that kind of like was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but as far as character moments go, um, that's where I think this episode really excels. And again, Troy being the standout moment. But I do like the wharf delivery scenes that i thought they were humorous but in a in a way that made sense like Worf would you know (laughs) Worf would kind of like react this way and i I especially thought what was great when he's like yelling at her to push and she yells back (laughs) i'm
1: trying
0: (laughs) um um no it it was good it was really cool uh kind of scene or sequence um again the other thing uh you know this time around i just thought it was interesting that like that like the the panel to to put air back it was interesting to me that the panel to manually put air back into the cargo bay was so far away from the control panel where you open <laughs> the cargo bay. Like, <laughs> so it's just like a design, interesting design. I'm not saying it's flawed. I'm just saying it, it's interesting from a design perspective. Cause I would imagine that normally if such a situation were happening and the ship, weren't in, in the shambles, uh, the computer would just automatically refill the, the air in, in the cargo bay. um, Also, normally, if there was a fire, as we've seen in a previous episode, the computer actually puts up a containment field Mm. uh, and and squashes the fire that way. So uh, it is cool that we did see, you know, I think the cosmic filament was a great way to kind of create these obstacles, and then we have to see how you get around them manually. Because it is a great point, like, as technology becomes more a part of all of our lives, one one wonders like, what do you do when, when it goes, turns off, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, so, so this was, I, th- I thought that the episode was delightful from that perspective. And it just shows that ingenuity and like creative thinking and, and quick thinking on your feet um, can make it, make all the difference um, at the end of the day. Uh, one note that I took down that I thought was interesting is when, um, when Picard and the children, uh, get out of the turbo lift, and uh, you know they're kind of like uh, the children. By the way, are extremely pessimistic. I mean, they just think that they're going to die, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting because, like, I'm not sure that I was like that as a kid. I think as I'm, personally, I was like very optimistic as a kid, I, if I recall correctly. Um, yes, but you were. When Picard... <laughs> Thank you. What, you knew me back then, Doctor. But when Picard comes up with um, the idea to sing a song, I thought it was funny that the girl says, how about the the laughing Vulcan and his dog? And he's like, well, I don't know that one. <laughs> so um, let's see what the internet says. Maybe there's lyrics to the laughing...
1: <laughs> no, I don't think there are lyrics to the laughing Vulcan... Well, Google
0: dog. auto well Google auto completes the uh, um, the search for you because apparently there's an em- there's an entry in memory beta and uh, it says the Laughing Vulcan and his dog was a piece of popular children's music of the latter half of the twenty fourth century known to school children aboard the USS Enterprise T. When Captain Picard, blah, 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 writer Ron Moore has denied that this was a reference to Cybok, he explained, I just like the image, the title of the song conjured up. But actually, it would be an interesting thing if it were a reference to Cybok, wouldn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of a cool idea. Um, And I admit I did think about that, but I forgot to mention it. So that's a cool thing. So we, uh, some singer-songwriter out there, I hope you will write... The lyrics and perform the Laughing Vulcan and his dog because I would love to hear that song. Uh, and that's all I have um, on the notes, except to say that um, I was very touched uh, <laughs> by the Picard and his children thing, mainly because, as I said, it reminded me of my own adventures in Seattle with um, three very similar. Personalities to these children, and it was also similar in that it was um, uh, Azure who has been on this show. She was on the uh, the episode. The Dauphin was kind of like the wrangler of the two boys, who were uh, one was. Uh, one one was uh, weird a bit, uh, you know, c- can come across with these cool weird ideas, and the other one's quite logical. So I was reminded of that, and so that did get me very emotional. And and so you're right, there is a sentimental component, Doctor, to this episode. I can I can see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, anything um, you've got on your notes? Well,
1: I mean, I, I think the premise is, is is a good premise. I just wish. I wish there had been more more danger. Um in in the episode I think I think, uh, I think the, the the two best sequences, as I said, Riker and Data, that was that was well executed. Uh Wharf dealing with the birth of Molly O'Brien, I thought was was appropriately humorous. Mm-hmm. And it worked very well. However, Picard and the kids bored me to tears. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the things about Picard, uh, we're, we're we're seeing a shift. We're definitely seeing a shift now. Uh, a clear shift in Picard's attitudes towards children. Um, you know, the 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 series started out with that with that wonderful exchange between Riker and Picard, where he he basically says he hates kids, right, and We've gone from that to to this, where All he right. he you know he's very you know when they come out of the the turbo lift he even you know they they kind of hug him and he feels comfortable with them and and he and in in my experience you know there there I mean there are there are good people
0: on this earth who don't like kids as a matter of Ramp fact it. I but i have to say though you're not counting that picard has had a few experiences now already with children and so i kind of like that he's softening up he's still very like standoffish but you know i i don't think somebody would necessarily
1: soften in that respect I, i i know i know people who who don't like kids and they're they're fine people but they just don't like kids and and it doesn't soften as you get older it 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 but it hardens, can. as a matter of fact. No, and, but, you, uh, but
0: you have to admit it can soften. You know, like I, I haven't that met still- any,
1: to be honest. <laughs> I've never met anyone who 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 just has an aversion, and a, a, the, the 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 aversion and discomfort that Picard demonstrated in earlier in the series, I think um, was was quite pronounced, and and I kind of like that. I like the idea that you had the captain of the enterprise, and he kind of had this this I don't want to call it a fatal flaw, but it was, it was just it was a flaw in his character, and it's, it's like every time you say, "Well, Picard, you know, such a great character," and then he, you know there would be something that would kind of you, you know sink him down, make him more human, make him more uh, a little unlikable. I think it's, it's a, it was a daring move. And it was established in season one. And I think uh, the show just softens him up to make him more likable. But I liked him when he was more unlikable. I liked him. I, I like that icier, uh, uh, colder Picard that we saw in the first two seasons. Um, I don't necessarily think that m- making him suddenly appreciate kids or whatever is. was such a great uh, character direction for him. I I think it just made him like everybody else. I mean, most everybody likes kids. You know, but...
0: Right, but I don't know that he like, dislikes kids or just he finds them inappropriate aboard the ship. I mean, like, I think that, like, he certainly no, loves this guy disliked kids. No, but he loves his nephew, Rene, and they have a good rapport. And I that's think, where we see... I think right, he, we're I think seeing it's a more, shift. I think it's more like Picard feels like children are not should be in their place, and that's where he wants them to be, and he doesn't think their place is aboard a starship, necessarily. That's not what and he says, says in more, season one. Oh, he that's says that's he
1: doesn't like kids. <laughs> and 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 if you take him at his word and if you you and I, I kind of like the idea that Riker was was that was that sort of buffer uh, buffer he was the one that would kind of humanize the captain he, he he would show the humanity and the captain kind of stays right. in the background
0: well and... I mean everyone else was tied up uh, with uh, with uh, with their you know they were on their chessboard in the right place at the right time so they had to give the kids to Picard <laughs> well no but what I'm saying is that it just shows a, a, a progression yeah. of
1: the character right. that he does right. soften and and we'll see like future it. episodes yeah. I know you like it
0: <laughs> you're saying it's wrong <laughs> well I'm saying
1: I preferred the other one I'm not right. saying it's wrong okay, gotcha. I'm, I'm saying it's not as interesting I think it's very interesting when you have uh, uh, a lead character that challenges you in liking him or her, you know. Right, right. I think it makes the character a little more interesting. I mean, obviously, it could be, if if it's too unlikable, then then it it doesn't work. But I right. thought it was interesting that you
0: had this captain who just doesn't, you know, like ah, keep the kids and the families away from me. And, but I think, I think, yeah, Picard. I think Picard was never unlikable, though. That's the thing is that like, there's not even with, even had he still disliked. Children, it's easily forgivable. <laughs> In my eyes, it's not like well, a, but that's you know, because like, you've
1: had episodes
0: like this
1: and that no, have softened I'm saying, him. I'm saying,
0: I'm saying, had they not done that, that's not something I would have looked back at as a character fly. I think it's just some people, like you said earlier, some people just don't like children, and right. I don't think, I don't think that, like, as long as they don't like. You know, as long as they're not like, oh, you know, we should forget having children and start cloning humans like, you know, to skip childhood altogether. As long as they're not that extreme, I think it's OK. Like, no, yeah. You know, like and I, I do, like, too. You know, like I, I do, too. But I, I just think
1: <laughs> I, I didn't like the whole softening of Picard and singing mm-hmm. Farajaka and all that. That was just really, really I, lame. To I me.
0: ate it up. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a fan of that
1: at all. At all, um, I think it. You know, Picard had a, had a, an edge that we've lost, and I think this we've just com- just
0: completely lost by this point. And um, um, this this was an excellent example of a heavy techno babble episode, by the it way. It was. It was. Which I ate up as well. I loved it. I love that as well about it. Um, I love the technical technical jargon on on the episodes. Um, we did not read from the book on the last episode, Doctor. Oh, um, we did not. We did You're not. Right. So I think we owe the audience uh, you know, a quick little going back to Silicon Avatar. And then, yes, the book by Larry Nemechek um, and um, the Star Trek Companion. Uh, you can get it through his website and also, I think, on Amazon.com.
1: Okay, so uh, you want me to go back to Silicon Avatar?
0: Well, just if you see anything that's, like, worth noting that we didn't talk about on Silicon Avatar, and then I think we can then go to this episode. Um, Well, on Silicon Avatar, uh,
1: they mentioned that the episode was written by a freelancer who took a bus down from Oregon to pitch the idea.
0: Hmm.
1: So it shows... You know, Star Trek and Next Generation was a very, uh, I don't think it's like that today in television, but they were very open to uh, freelancers and people just coming in and pitching ideas. That's cool. Uh, I mean, obviously the writer's room developed a lot of stories, but they always reserved a certain amount of episodes with the idea of like, well, let's take some pitches. Let's see from what's going on out there from the fans and stuff. Uh, I mean professional fans of course or maybe not I mean maybe they but anyways uh, but yeah it was a, it was a developed by a freelancer uh, whose name was Lawrence Connolly and um, you know I did look up this is not from the book but I did go online on uh, Alpha, Alpha. Memory Alpha and Brent Spiner does not particularly like the way that the episode tied up the Crystalline Entity storyline. Oh, He wasn't a particular fan of that. And um, moving on to Disaster, uh, we have... I mean, really... Apparently, Michael Piller was not too happy about how Ensign Rowe turned out uh, in the episode. Having to apologize to Troy, he feels that maybe she lost a bit of her edge there, or loses a rough edge.
0: Um, I think. I think it's not bad. Uh that's a great that's an interesting thing. I mean like I understand where he's coming from, but I actually thought it was really great cuz she's really really tough uh and kind of like you know again like um to, for lack of a better word like almost seeming like inhuman inhuman, you know, like she's just like you know like let's get away from the drive section and leave all these potential people to die but apparently the drive section might be abandoned because everyone left engineering but um uh, (laughs) I do think that um I like Troy's response though where she's like you could have easily been right like I think that was fair it was
1: fair but I I see his point whereas you know they, they just introduced Ro this is her second appearance on the show and we've already shown her to be wrong and wrong in kind of a, a, a you know, a, a manner in which she, she doesn't come off as, she comes off as, as rather heartless. Um, I mean, you're right, Troy does come back and say that, but still, I think there is some, you know, Ensign Rowe is seen as the character you don't trust. Right. And it's only her second appearance. So I, I do, I do, it, he, he does raise a good point. Um, but I don't know what else they could have done, <laughs> really. Uh, I mean, I, I did enjoy the, the to and fro from, from Roe and O'Brien. And, and like I said, I, I enjoyed the Riker and Data aspect of it. And even the Worf... You know trying to deliver the baby and looking at the thing and the pad and saying you know you may push now or whatever I thought that was that was rather funny that see that that was a, an appropriate amount of funny Jordy and crusher in that cargo bay was just boring as hell <laughs> and served no purpose i I don't really feel that there was much character added to either of them at all um I mean, really? I don't know. I don't feel I really came away from f- learning anything more about them. I mean, that that maybe would have, I don't know, maybe would have been an opportunity to 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 have had a situation similar to when uh, Crusher was injured on that planet uh, with Picard, and they they had that that giant thing. I think the episode may have been
0: overly ambitious with the amount of plot points or threads mm. that are going on, and I bet you. Um, I'd be willing to to bet that there may have been some exposition that was cut, and when they decided where to cut it, they probably like cut from that scene because um, the beginning of that sequence sets up something more heavy, you know, with the whole like Jordy maybe. You know where he ref- refuses to be in performances, and maybe there could have been some story or something about performance anxiety. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. That, that,
1: even that was kind of boring. And then I hate the fact that, and this is what I hate about most uh, episodes of Next Generation that that I, um, that end this way. You know, you have this cataclysmic event, and then the last two three minutes, everything's fine. The ship is, is... I mean, you don't even see blinking lights or anything. It's just... ship is fine. They're going to a starbase. I mean, but there I, was physical damage to 10 forward, wasn't there? Wasn't there, like, a <laughs> beam that came down? I mean, this is. They should have been out there. And, and let me just say that I think there should be some kind of automated distress system. Like, when a ship just goes completely down... Where I'm assuming it's off the grid, right? Because I mean, there's no incoming or outgoing communications. But even shouldn't somebody at Starfleet be like,
0: "Hey, hey, what what happened to the D? We can't find it." But it's possible. But they might be like, I mean, as we saw in the previous episode, they were 26 hours away at like a standard you know warp factor. Hello, Um, buoys. Yeah, no, I I realize that, but I'm saying like buoys out there. Starfleet may have dispatched. Uh, like, a, a crew or a vessel, but who knows? It could have been 30 hours, you know, 40 hours, and even at warp, like, 8, it, it could have still been more time than, than whatever. Plus, like, if the ship is not broadcasting a location, um, it, it's like they have to kind of speculate where it is from the last point where it pinged. So it's just kind of like, you know, who knows, like, how long it is before a rescue uh, can get underway. Remember, uh, space is 3D. It's not like on the ocean where you have the benefit of, uh, of two-dimensional thinking. But anyways, uh, <laughs> that being said... Take that, I, <laughs> that being said, I also think it would have been interesting if we did get a... A situation where, like, maybe uh, a Romulan vessel, like a science vessel, intercepted, and there would have been that added dilemma of, like, well, here's a chance for this, like, you know, captain of a science vessel to capture the Great Enterprise, you know, but he's not quite equipped with the right tools so he has to play a little bit of balderdash to uh to convince them that 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 they have more capabilities than they do and so that might have been an interesting like twist uh just off the top of my head
1: but of course as rick berman said
0: too many romulans (laughs)
1: um i i mean following up on what you just said then i think the ending should have been maybe a disabled enterprise and then those rescue ships coming to the aid. Yeah, that, that could have just been, think, been uh, something like a quick shot, you know, just outside the Enterprise, the Enterprise or the know. Enterprise
0: being towed to Starbase would have right been by a, the, the Hood nice or, something, it, or, or something. You know, something like
1: the USS that. Hood shows up, and <laughs> the good old Hood, the good old kid. Hood, and 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 you know, it could have just been a captain's log, you know, where. Under tow from this on our way to, I agree. but it just seemed like the Enterprise was really. I mean, I don't. Can you think of another episode where it's so disabled
0: without, no, you know, no, not being off, destroyed not off to the top of my head? I think you're right that there were like a, a few missed opportunities there. So, all right, well, yeah, it's a good point. Shall we rate the episode, my friend? Yeah. All right, I. I'm going to give this episode because of my sentiment a six point five.
1: Isn't that the, the same scale. rating As you la- gave yeah, the last episode? Me, the
0: two episodes. The thing that's similar about these two episodes is that they're both like, um, they're like great in the moment, but not re not something I necessarily go and rewatch. And I think I, you know, despite me being skewed to always give a higher rating I do take those things into consideration doctor right. um, but but I do think that like had it not been for some of the sentimental factors my my rating would have been a bit lower
1: okay well,
0: I, I, I'm I actually going to give the same rating I gave the last one, Whoa. which is, yeah, I'm going to give it a five. A, <laughs> oh, I, well, I said 6.5, but you're giving it the same as the last episode you're saying. Yeah, so I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. I think
1: it's, a, it's a, you know, it's got good. It's got bad. It's not something I would run out to watch, really. If it's on, I'd watch certain parts, but if, you know,
0: commercial comes on, I'll switch the channel and not stay, really, you know. Yeah. Favorite thing about this episode was Data's head interfacing with the Enterprise. That was, we, that was. That was cool. That was definitely something really cool. And just Data's head being severed. It's a, a little bit of foreshadowing later on, again, to the season closer. Uh, you know, Oh, here, there we but, go. I hadn't yeah. thought of that oh i'm always thinking about that mm. anyway <laughs> doctor this was so much fun i'm i'm uh, i'm gonna let you go and i'm off to hopefully uh have an opportunity to meet the great william shatner and maybe even gates mcfadden gates and, mcfadden give her a hug for me will you and uh nana visitor and uh, uh i don't think she uh listens to the show but uh just uh a big uh, LLAP shout out to Nana Visitor because apparently she was in a hit and run accident recently. Where what? the uh, yeah, and so she's been out of communications range for a bit, recovering from that. And she You're made a kidding. nice little yeah. She made a nice little announcement on Twitter saying, "Hey, for those of you who've been wondering where I've been, this happened, and uh, I'll see you." And then she posted a nice picture of uh, her airplane landing in in Fort Lauderdale. Her view from the window. Oh wow. Um, Yeah, so to Nana, visitor, an LLAP, and uh, again, I I really hope to to meet uh, William Shatner and and Gates McFadden today. I'm very excited. I'll give a full report on our next uh, Starfleet boy. Please do, and please,
1: please convey to Gates McFadden that we totally were going to write a show.
0: We were. I, if I meet her and I get to talk to her, I we're still I'll ready. Tell- we're still ready to write Star <laughs> Trek pasteur for her. I'll tell her about that uh, for sure. All right. Well, it was wonderful as always. Live long and prosper, and we'll see you next time, Doctor.